Jeff Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 12 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living Bantha Pudu out of it. I am Jose, aka Joxie in the Utiniverse. I have watched all Star Wars canon movies and TV shows, I have read 40 Star Wars books, and I own 14 of them. And I'm Trev, keeper of a timeline pages over at utini.com, spent my entire adult life consuming Star Wars media, and own over 1,000 Star Wars books and comics. So for anyone joining us for the first time, this is a largely unscripted show where once we've decided on a topic, Jose will do whatever research he feels like, I will do as little as possible, in this week's case, none at all, and we can talk about (laughs) anything Star Wars related, legends, canon, book, comics, TV, video games, who knows, throw in a few regular features and hopefully keep you both entertained and informed. For the next hour or so, maybe, we'll see. We'll see how long this takes, uh, but thank you, Trev, for that. And if you are new, welcome. Um, we're happy to have you. If you're not new, well, um, I did say hello there at the beginning, at the top of the show, like I always do. So that that goes, you know, for for everyone out there. Hello um, there. <laughs> they, oh, that was that's pretty good. Hello. Uh, anyway, I don't want to go into get into that. Um, anyway, so. It's been, uh, you know, it's been a few weeks since uh, Victorious Price, the third installment of Alphabet Squadron, was released. And before the guys over at the Living Force do their roundtable on it, I think, I mean, this should technically be released maybe the day before they do their roundtable. So we should, uh, we thought we should have a Squadron's talk. And to help us out with this, we have a special guest who has been on some of the other Utini shows uh, before. Uh, he's also been on uh, Utini Game Nights a couple of times. And so, Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, well, now I said your name, but why don't you do the whole <laughs> bit so that you can follow yeah. know, the format that we typically do? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Andrew. I have watched all of the Star Wars movies and most of the shows. I have read 105 Star Wars books, uh, Star Wars books and I own 124 of them. So that's a big reading list then. That's like 19 books that you've got in your read pile. Yeah, if I own them and I haven't read them yet, there's a great chance I might not read them. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason I own them, but I haven't read them. That's, that's one of the risks of being a massive Star Wars fan, is you become a book collector rather than a book right. reader. You just want to know that you've got... They're like Pokemon cards. You just want to know that you've got them all. <laughs> so when you say uh, most of the shows, which ones haven't you watched, Andrew? Are you going to turn around and say you've never watched The Mandalorian? Yeah, I'm afraid to... No, no. no. I've seen The Mandalorian. Uh, no, Resistance is the one holdout. And then, of course, I, I've yet to see the uh, the Ewoks or the Droids show. I think, Trevor, you might be the only one 
uh, in existence who's seen those. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you'll all get the chance because they're coming on Disney+. Plus. Ewok movies, I'm... Ewok cartoons. Oh, it's so exciting. Can't wait. So so exciting. Yeah, Andrew, <laughs> what's with all the new stuff coming out there, which one are you the most excited about watching? Which What are you going to start with? Okay, so I... Correct me if I'm wrong, but is Caravan of Courage is is coming on yes. Disney Plus, right? That's the one I'm most excited about. Um, That's the one I'm most excited about. I've I've got to ask, uh, why? <laughs> uh, it is a it it is much talked about. My brother has seen it, and I have not. And it's a little bit of a point of personal pride that I need to be able to. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like he's already read like there's one book that he's read that I haven't, whereas I've read probably you know. 50 or 60 books that he hasn't, but it's the one book that gets me. It's like, okay, now I got to read that one. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't let him have a leg up on star Wars knowledge. That's the weirdest sibling rivalry I've ever heard. <laughs> it is. It is. Have you and your brother always like been, I mean, like, like what's your, what's your star Wars story? Like how do, how do you start with it? It sounds yeah. like it's sort of in the family and it is. So, um, yeah, I've got, I've got three brothers. If, if anybody's been around the Uteniverse for a while, you, they've probably heard me talk about them. Um, so I've got three brothers and growing up, my dad, actually, he wasn't a super fan, but he introduced us to star Wars. Um, he used to, he, he's an electrical engineer and he would install like home theater systems or like uh, theater systems in like businesses and stuff like that. And so he would take us to work with him sometimes into when we were kids to keep us occupied, he'd just put Star Wars on like the theater systems he was installing and he mm-hmm. would use those movies to test like the sound and everything. So that's like my earliest memory of Star Wars. And then from there, it, I mean, it's like most people's that, you know, I'm like, Oh, these are cool movies. And then, Oh, these are cool action figures. These are cool video games. And then eventually you find your way, way to the books, you know? Yeah. And, and then how did you end up with you teeny? Cause you've been, I mean, you've been here for some time. You've been here since before. I yeah. think so. Yeah. It's in fact, almost, tell us what you do for you teeny. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> plug, plug yourself. Well, plug yourself. R- right now, technically nothing because I'm on a sabbatical. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I, I'm the uh, the video department coordinator. I think it was the official title that I was given. So basically, I just kind of uh, I kind of help quarterback all the much more talented people and let them do their thing and just uh, try to help uh, guide that process. And then I'm on the uh, book review team, and so on. With new releases, I read the new books and help review them. And then uh, between me and Eric, we get all of the uh, the information ready for the website. So, well, and, and obviously the database team. But, um, but yeah, that's what I do with Utini. I actually found Utini about two years ago when the Living Force did their episode with Mark Thompson, because I, I followed him on Twitter. Um, I was a big fan of his work, and so when they interviewed him, he retweeted the podcast episode and so i listened to that and i was just like there's a there's a podcast about star wars books <laughs> like specifically about star wars books and so uh, i i had a uh, a cory-esque manic episode where i consumed everything utini and then i saw cory's facebook post asking for people to join the team um and i emailed him i was like hey i've got like no skills whatsoever but i like star wars books and i'm available and he's like perfect you're hired <laughs> We, we must have started around the same time then, because I remember seeing that post, and I basically sent Corey an email, went, here's my yep. brief. See the spreadsheet. And he went, yeah, we need you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could have also just sent a picture of your wall there behind you and just be <laughs> yeah. like, 
I'm in, right? <laughs> yeah. What else do you need? I don't know. But there's, there's some competition. Like Jared and Meg have both got pretty impressive walls. Yeah. No, this, this is true. This is true. And Meg is now, you know, she just redid her. So oh, yeah, it's, it's looking, looking, looking real nice. But, um, okay, well, uh, why don't we just like, let's shift gears and get into the actual, you know, today's topic. So, you know, which is Squadron, Alphabet Squadron. And, you know, um, so Andrew, since you are mm-hmm. our guest, um, we're, you know, and Alphabet Squadron being the, being starting with an A, it's the first one that we want yep. to start with. Um, why don't you, in like five sentences, why don't you describe what has happened in Alphabet Squadron, the first two books? I haven't read Victorious okay. Price yet. Yeah, no spoilers. Get us up to one. date. So five sentences. Five sentences. I'll give you so, six. Three sentences okay. per book. So, summarizing the plots of the books? Yeah. Yeah. What's, okay. What, where right, are so we? Gonna, what's going I'm on? I'm going to keep track. Okay. So book one, a bunch of broken people find each other and form an intelligence working group. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run into very many challenges <laughs> uh, throughout the book. And by the end, they uh, eventually are able to accomplish their goal. I know that's very broad, but if I go into specifics, we will literally be talking about this for two hours <laughs> because I could spend I could spend literally an hour just talking about the Ordell cluster. Uh, so, but uh, I feel like if anybody's listening to this and they haven't read Alphabet Squadron, uh, stop listening and read Alphabet Squadron because it's excellent. No, don't stop and listening. Assuming... Read it after you've finished. <laughs> okay, after yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so. So book two, and I've got three sentences left. Mm-hmm. Book two. Um, and you can get into the, more specifics now. Okay, so more specifics now. Yeah. Okay, so book two. Now we know what, what the, that there's a team and something happens. So, right, okay, exactly. So why, why is there a second book and why is there a third book, right? So get yeah, into. Okay. So in book two, all right, so Erica Quell, who is the Imperial Defector and the leader of Alphabet Squadron, um, their goal is to find and stop shadow wing which is an imperial elite fighting squadron sent that's first sentence that's this first sentence. okay couple of uh, witches in there but that's fine yeah you know <laughs> conjunction was the uh yeah so anyways yeah i got a couple conjunctions in there yeah uh so they plan a trap this is again in book two they plan a trap for shadow wing to lure them to the uh is it the katadra system Troyth, I can't remember the exact system. system. No, the Cerberon, Cerberon system. So they lure them to the Cerberon system, uh, and all hell breaks loose. The team is broken apart, and they each kind of go on their own separate journeys. And then by the end of Shadowfall, uh, Erika has seemingly defected from Alphabet Squadron and gone to rejoin Shadowwing, which she was a member of at the start of Alphabet Squadron. Nicely done. Okay. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> and for reminding me because I also kind of wanted to use this, us recording this episode as a way for me to kind of like remember it all before getting into the first <laughs> prize. So that is a well, reason why I have, that's why there I haven't started it really. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I do have it. I just, I mean, I've been busy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Life, you know, life there's still this and... little pandemic thing going on, you know. Yeah, but that's not an excuse because I'm just working from home. So that's like that's the least of an excuse for me not to read something right now. Um, 
yeah, for people listening to this, you know, 20 years from now, yeah, this is, we're still in this, uh, in this pandemic, hopefully we're, we're out at some point, um, yeah. or maybe you're still in it. I don't know, 20 years in the future. Hopefully <laughs> not. So. so some, somebody's huddled over their ancient decrepit smartphone with these ancient recordings while the, the, the world war three rages around them. Dude, this, the bomb is, shells are the, going this off. is the internet. This is, this can be listened to whenever now. That's true. That's true. This is millennia in the future. They're listening to this. This is from a long, long time ago. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> anyways, back into back into topic. Um, why? So, and Andrew, I mean, and Trev, you too, um, for you both. So, I mean, what do you guys like Alphabet Squadron? What is it about the these books that I mean that you do you like that works for you? I mean, I. For someone who hasn't read as many books as both of you, I've actually really enjoyed it. And to me, it's been mostly because I think the characters just like it's such a diverse group of characters and personalities. They're all very unique. And I really enjoy that. Um, like Chasna Chaddock is one of my favorite ones. I Maybe my favorite mm-hmm. one of the whole crew. Um, Erica Kwa, like is also super interesting. And, you know, call back to the droids episode. Um, the therapy droid here at ITO, right? Is it? ITO. ITO. Yeah, like I, I really, really like him. So there's just really unique personalities and, and characters in these books. And to, that's why I really, you know, why I appreciate these books uh, more so than any, you know, the sort of technical aspects of it, which I think is how Corey always talks about um, Alexander Freed, right? Um, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, c- confession time. I... I struggled with the first two books. I mean, I'm, I'm sure mm. me and Andrew have had conversations about Shadowfall where he's he's not been impressed with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, and it's not so much of a technical because there's been a lot less of the technical in this than there has been in Alexander Freed's previous books, like Twilight Squad and stuff. Um, but like right. Andrew said in the summary, it's the, it's those broken characters that I kind mm-hmm. I think that's what I struggle with. I, for me, that's it's kind of not what Star Wars is to me. It's been lacking the the hope and the optimism that for me is ingrained in Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> I, I can see Andrew chomping up a bit on this Zoom call. He's like, I need to speak in. I need to speak in. Um, and the second book, <laughs> but I'm sure we could talk about spoilers of the second book now. But the whole. Yeah, middle because... the whole middle arc where it, it i'll be honest it lost me the whole eye of sauron looking down on them thing it it really did <laughs> it it just lost me completely saying that i'm two-thirds mm-hmm. of the way through victory's price and i am genuinely loving this book are you i mean i'll, I'll get to you in a second andrew but yeah, so yeah. now you're saying you're loving it are you loving it as a as a book on its own or how does it like as a culmination of of, of a trilogy, is I, it I think working it's, for you it's, that way, and maybe making you appreciate the other two books too. I, well. I think there's still an element of it. Um, it's still the same author. It's still the same style, but it's wrapping up a story. But in keeping mm-hmm. with our actual topic, it still doesn't feel. We're three books in, and it still doesn't feel like a squadron. You know, mm. the 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 teamwork element is. It's it's never been there in this book for mm-hmm. me. So when we compare it to the other squadrons series, like Rose Squadron or 
uh, race squadron. It doesn't doesn't have the, that cohesiveness amongst the team. And I'm sure that will come in the final act of a book because it has to. Um, but so far, you know, it just feels completely different to to what I was expecting, maybe. Well, Andrew, now it's your okay. your turn. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to start by saying I, I hear Trevor's take on it, and I don't disagree at all. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe I get from the book. I think just where I veer a little bit differently is like, because he said, he said it as kind of a negative for him is it doesn't necessarily always feel like Star Wars, which is, that's a fair analysis. One of my favorite things that I like about the book is it doesn't always feel like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. It, totally. Um, yeah, and it, I feel like it transcends the genre a little bit. I think I've said that before. Like, you have these story Because, let's be honest, like, I love the original trilogy, obviously. Like, you have to. But there's not much I watch in the original trilogy where I take that and I'm able to dissect it and apply it to my day-to-day life. Yeah. Whereas, um, and it's hard for me to talk about the Alphabet Squadron trilogy because it did resonate with me so much personally. And so, like, it probably affects my objectivity. Um, but, but we are so a deep dive episode. Asp- so now is the time. We are, and that's perfect for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you can do that. Well, that's perfect for that. I'm just I'm just going to try to make sure not to, uh, you know, like drag out all of my baggage and be like, this is why I loved it so much. But uh, Oversharing but is no, allowed. There, yeah, well, there, there's different aspects of... Um, there's different aspects of the characters that I really appreciate. Um, and, and like we mentioned with it being misfits and stuff like that, that feels more relatable to me than, than your, than your Luke Skywalkers. I've not met a lot of Luke Skywalkers. I've met a lot of Chastin Shaddix. I've met a lot of Yurika Quells. I've met a lot of Willarks. Um, and, and for those who don't know, I know you guys know, but for any listeners who don't know my, my day job, I'm a police officer. Okay. So literally my day to day is, wrestling with ethic and moral gray areas because you have the law but my personal belief and most people will probably agree the law does not equal morality the law is the law and is this different than morality and those themes are addressed in these books and it asks those tough questions that i'm already kind of asking myself on the daily so I know that's probably a little bit deeper than than the the question really no, warranted, but great. that is that is why I love these books so much because I I love things that ask good questions but don't presume to know the answer. And Freed treats the reader as if they are intelligent enough to come to the answer themselves. He does not have to spell things out for you, which is different than some Star Wars books. And I'm not knocking it; different strokes for different folks, but. Um, that's just, that's what I love about the books is there, I've been able to chew on them and digest them well after I finished reading them. They stick with me. So, so let's, let's tie into the, the topic at large, but let's talk about how they function as a squadron Mm -hmm. in, in the larger picture. Um, for me personally, I think calling alphabet squadron a squadron is a bit of a leap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah but- <laughs> okay but if i if i may to be fair um they are an intelligence working group squadron is some is semantics really but they they are technically in the book considered an intelligence working group you know they're not necessarily a combat squadron i mean it's it's a team right it's a it's i mean squadrons is just what they call when you, they put it together a, a team right right, right. so because like I mean, and this is why I also like the book. It is, and it, it is because they are kind of 
they don't really work well together or they have to try to find a way to work together when they are all very different. And it is a sort of like the suicide squad type of team where they're all dysfunctional people and somehow they need to figure out a way to sync up and you see them struggle through it. And, And that to me is why I, that struggle and trying to find a way to, to sync up with other people. That's, that is one of the reasons why I enjoy it, but that seems to be the, yeah, the opposite of, or what of what you consider Star Warsy, Trev? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like as a, as a, I think that's a really good question that you're asking. As a, as a squadron, does it work? Like, is it does it make sense to call this a squadron? And also, I mean, is it even realistic? Because if you're in in a war, are you? Yeah, ideally, like in a sports team, you try to figure out your strengths, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe we need a a new person to play this position because this person's not doing very good, and you can trade, and you can make a really well-balanced team but in the middle of a war you don't necessarily have time to figure out all the strengths and weaknesses of your of your different squadrons right of your different squads for different teams you kind of just get whatever's in there you're like okay all five of you you now have to figure it out and work together right i mean like that i feel like that's fairly realistic right yeah no i I think you're right and what it is kind of funny because like logistically and throughout all other star Wars media, like you almost never, and and Trev can correct me if I'm wrong, but you almost never (laughs) see mixed squadrons in terms of like all these different ships. It's, it's an a wing squadron. It's an X wing squadron. It's this, in the new Jedi order, there's a couple of mixed squadrons, but that's more out of necessity than it is. Like, that's not ideal. Like I think, um, in the books I'm reading now, Jag fells leading a squadron. That's a mix of X wings and Chiss Clawcraft. But even that, they talk about how uncommon it is and how difficult it is to try to fly cohesively when people who are in different types of ships. But why? I mean, we're going to get into Star Wars Squadrons, the video game, later. But, like, when we play that, I mean, we've we've played before, but, like, ideally you have different types of ships working together. I mean, that also makes sense to me. Like you don't I, want, I kind I mean, of think it's just a it's all also a plot device though. It's yeah, yes. It's kind of you know what what makes these. But one of now we've uh, thrown legends in the mix. I'm going to ask you a question. Can either of you name the biggest difference, the biggest single difference between a legend squadron and a cannon squadron? I'm guessing it's that legend squadrons weren't really intermixed that much, right? Or was it vice versa? No, it's it's much more technical than that. In Legends, a squadron was twelve ships mm. of three wings, mm. and since Canada's right. come along, it's been that sort of four to six ships. That is what oh. makes a squadron, which I find really interesting. When Canada started, but they they threw out the defi- the entire definition of what a squadron was. So you had a twelve ship squadron, three wings, and now you've got. I think even Rogue Squadron has been um, in canon is kind of uh, limited to six pilots. So because you bring that up, I will touch on like one small pet peeve. And it's not, (laughs) I'm not like, I'm not going to go rage about it on Twitter, but it is something that's always bothered (laughs) me. Legends and canon. Okay. Y'all may know this, but like I play the, uh, the video game Empire at War, like religiously. It's brilliant uh, space combat video game. But one thing that that game's kind of spoiled me on is like there are very strict classifications for the different ships. You've got capital ships, frigates, yep. freighters, mm-hmm. cruisers, and there's rules to it. Like if it's this size or if it in the books, it just does. It's like not a starfighter, 
capital ship. We're calling it a capital <laughs> ship. Like, in the Squadron's video game, if I'm not mistaken, they refer to, like, at one point, like, they refer to a Nebulon B frigate as a capital ship. I'm like, that's not a capital ship. It's a frigate. It's in the name. Uh-huh. Nebulon B frigate. <laughs> and that's, like, that's the small thing. Like, I know it's a dumb thing to get worked up about, but that's also part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan is you can get worked up about dumb things. Jose, well, make not- a note. In six months' time, let's ask Andrew back, and we'll just do a ship classification episode. <laughs> Yeah, you, oh, we'll have to bring him back for that because I was such as I don't I don't know I have to do a lot of research for that one because I don't no but but I mean that's that is I mean I wouldn't mind if if we got more clarification and all that I mean that is also just part of my like desire to also just get into more like um, into the sci-fi of it all as well just because I'm more into that kind of stuff um, and like yeah I enjoy the space fantasy and you know I I, I enjoy fantasy in general too but you know. I think that's when they kind of maybe either go back to the, some of the younger readers that may, may not want to get into such like specific rules about things um, or, you know, or how gravity works or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think now that Star Wars is, is exploring so many different TV shows and, and movies and mediums and all that, I think that it, it is definitely a good time to, to get back into it all. I mean, I think that's, Part of probably what Legends was able to do was that they had a little bit maybe more freedom to explore these genres and and be more clear about what a squadron was and everything. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, like speaking of which, like, why don't let's going back to Alpha of the Squadron. I mean, is there these characters? I mean, are, are there characters that show up in other places that maybe were also maybe inspired by Legends and and that pop in in other yeah, comic books or books in, in general? Well, I mean, the first paperback came with that comic preview, didn't it, of um, the TIE Fighter miniseries. Mm. And the link turned out to be a bit tenuous. There wasn't a lot in it. There wasn't a lot of recurring right. characters. And apart from your main Alphabet Squadron guys, the the main one is Hera. You know, you get um, you get obvious people like Akbar and Mon Mothma who... Yeah. have sort of speaking parts, but they're not right. necessarily part of the books. Whereas Hera, it's her it's her biggest biggest part in a Star Wars book to date, apart from a new dawn back in the day. Yeah. Um and it's it's so it's amazing to see this appearance further down the timeline. So, you know, we're we've had the the Rebels epilogue where we see her after the battle end all with her son. And that's mm-hmm. the last bit we see. So now she gets a real, real sort of star in feature. And and I love that because we also know, we all know that at some point Ezra's coming back. So yeah. I'm no, sure no. that there are crumbs being laid in this book just in the way she talks. Mm. But we'll lead, lead into that. Um, like we said, we're not going to spoil Victory's Price uh Andrew can relate. I've, where I'm up to in the book, there's been a conversation here has had with someone very informal, off the cuff, sat down on bunk beds next to each other, but should have been a really, really tense conversation, just came across really fluid and full of leadership. And it gave me a much better sense of where here is at and her space or her mm. place in the, in the new Republic. And, that's for everyone to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, I, I, 
again, y'all will have to excuse me because I'm going to have my Alexander Freed fanboy hat on for this entire <laughs> episode. Um, I think that out, when writing Hera in these books specifically, I think Alexander Freed did something that we haven't seen since. I'll, I'll throw up John Jackson Miller with Kenobi and Timothy Zahn with the original Thrawn trilogy, which is capturing a voice of a character they didn't create. Yes. Perfectly. I thought, which I've seen in, I kind of been following the discord. I don't, I know everybody not, everybody doesn't share this opinion and that's fine. Some people were put off by it a little bit. I personally thought that Hera in all three books, but specifically, this isn't a spoiler because Freed said it on Twitter before the book came out that Hera's featured much more prominently in Victory's Price. But I thought Hera was written just perfectly. Um, I like how she had a bigger role gradually as the series progressed mm-hmm. because I felt like it gave room to the original characters, the Alphabet Squadron. It gave them room to establish themselves. But then in the third book, because he's laid all the groundwork, he's able to use Hera more and it doesn't feel shoehorned or, you know, it, I know a lot of people like complain like, oh, the story group's pulling the strings, whatever. It doesn't feel like that at all. It feels just very natural. It, I mean, having Hera in this story, because... When I started reading Alphabet Squadron, it was a little tough for me at the beginning, just trying to understand mm-hmm. what was going on and kind of just place the characters. And it really wasn't until Hera was introduced um, as a character in the book that I'm like, oh, okay. And, and then I could just sort of like organize everything in my head. Yeah. But just sometimes like for some of these books, when when they're, when they're just set completely outside of everything, it always takes mm-hmm. me some time to just understand really like the motivation and where everyone is at. And so some, so having a character that we know of and that we, that we know their story, we know their background, it helps me ground the whole story in a way. Right. So, yeah. and, and to me, that's sort of like what, what Hera did. Well, that's what Hera did for me in that first book. And I'm glad to know that she is featured more prominently in the third book because um, yeah. yeah, I mean, now I also know the other characters, so now like everything feels a little bit more familiar, and then I can kind of have everyone more or less on the same level. So that's, that's and good I think to that's know. something yeah. about including here is if you're going to include uh, Leia or Luke into a book, it's going to ground it into the overall saga, you know, the overall Skywalker mm-hmm. saga. By including a character like Harris and Dula, you're tying it into the arc of the war. Yeah. So you really get it, right? You get that feel of galactic events rather than yep. the Skywalker family saga, and I, yeah. I really appreciate that. You know, being able to see the change in the galaxy and the fluctuations of the war, the aftermath of the war, yeah. and essentially that's what those these three books are doing. Yeah, right. Is... One thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go no, ahead. Go... Okay, I was going to say one thing I really appreciated about Hera in these books was that she was a character written for what, I mean, everybody can agree, was a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm not I sure I agree like... with that at all, Andrew. <laughs> I, I have thoughts on that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I feel like I've touched the nerve. So I'm going to walk that back. Um, she, she was written for a show for that an animated show. A, for an animated show that aired on a channel, and that channel's primary audience was kids. To be fair, gonna, the, f- the first episode, the first season, sorry, Right. I was literally recommending this Look, to someone last week who said, I've got two weeks off, give me something to watch. I said, if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, watch it. But the first season is a bit juvenile. Yeah. But I mean, it's the same thing with, with Clone it, Wars, you, I think. Yeah. yeah. But you stick with yeah. it, it gives One, you some of the best Star Wars that has ever existed. Oh, so great. Yeah. 
And I, and I agree. One, one argument I try to stay out of a lot is because it gets brought up on Twitter all the time is the Star Wars is for kids argument. I don't ever want to touch it because I'm just like, that's so simplistic and there's a lot more to it. And I know George Lucas said, yeah, anyways, not trying to imply anything on that front, but just she was a character written for an animated show. Um, and a lot of times animated shows aren't able to uh, dive into a character's psyche as well as a novel can. Um, that was one thing I really liked about what Freed did was it, and I think I kind of touched on this earlier, it didn't feel like he was trying to recreate the character. Like he took the Hera we knew, but he almost, I guess, matured her a little bit for the audience. If that, if that makes well, sense. Well, she's also older. Yeah. So oh, it's sure. not only sure. maturing it for a more mature audience, but it's also just because she has also she learned herself. a lot. I mean, we know she goes yeah. through a pretty horrible thing at the end of Rebels that also forces you to grow the f up, you know. Yeah. And but then she but has also a kid. with um, like with, with Hera, I, I spoke about not feeling the optimism. She's my optimism hook in those books because yep. she's not jaded. Yeah, you know yeah. she she's not bitter, she's not jaded, and she is the same person we saw in Rebels. So she right. does still have that optimism. Yeah, which is yeah. she's my hook into this third book, which is probably why I'm enjoying the third one yeah. more than the other two. Well, so Harris and obviously so she's in Rebels. She's in a New Dawn. A New Dawn would be the, you know the youngest she's we've seen her right. Uh, and I think uh... we see her in Lords of a Sith. Well, she's mentioned in Lords of a Sith. Yeah. Mm, she's yeah. Cham's Syndulla's daughter. That's right. I don't think we see right. her, but she's mentioned. But, and where else does she show up then? There's, I mean, I guess a TIE Fighter I, comic book that you uh, mentioned? Maybe. No, she's in, no, she's got her own Forces of Destinies comic. Uh, Force, okay. a few Rebels tie-ins along the way. Uh, I'm looking over at my cannon shelf now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may be wrong on this one. And somebody will, I'm sure somebody listening will check me. Did she not show up in Clone Wars, literally just in the background, like Cham referencing his daughter in the episodes that he's in, and she's like a young kid, twi- uh, Twi'lek? I might be wrong, but I feel like that was, I don't know if it was planned at the time, but I think like looking back, it could be reasonably assumed that she was in those uh, Ryloth episodes of the Clone Wars. Now, we quite often talk about the fact that I'm not as well versed in oh, the that's Clone right, Wars that's show, right. but I should be. Well, but that would I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> it's possible. I'm going to throw that out there, and then hopefully somebody can say in Discord how wrong would I am. Would it work so. age-wise, I guess? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah it should. She would have been a kid during the Clone Wars because that would have put her in her 20s or 30s yeah. during the, the Rebels series. Yeah. But then to, to segue into, look at me reading the show notes. I never read the show notes. <laughs> so let's talk about her in Squadron for video game then. Yeah. Okay. So, Andrew, have, you're a big Squadrons fan. You've played it a lot more than the rest of us. Uh, yep. How did you feel about the Squadrons campaign story? Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Honestly, it, it was good in the sense that it gave me a reason to play it. Like I didn't want to just not play it. Um, honestly, at this point, what, now that we're talking about it, I remember very little about it except for there were Starhawks. <laughs> when you started <laughs> talking, that's the first, I was like, he's Star just going to say it was Starhawks because that's, Star that's all I remember it, which, about it. Look, it was when they released the game, it was a $40 game. Um, so they, you know, you knew that it wasn't going to be a full 
full-on game. So the fact that we got a campaign at all, I was happy with. Yes. Not only did we get a campaign, but we got a campaign with Hera in it. We got a campaign with Wedge in it. Like, they they did enough to where it was enjoyable, but it wasn't memorable. And for me, when, when you say we got a campaign, we got a story. You know, mm-hmm. that... A story, that, right. That's the thing for me, is we got a story. Yeah. And Yeah. Not only did we get a story, but we got a video game story that tied in directly with a book, which was Shadowfall, because when Vanguard Squadron leaves with Hera... In Shadowfall, the book, they leave to do all of the story of the Squadron's oh. video game. And when they come back at the at, at some yeah, point, when they come I'm back at the end of with, Shadowfall, I'm going to sit down with Aftermath, the Alphabet Trilogy, and Squadrons, and figure this stuff out in my own head. <laughs> oh, because there's uh, a lot of actually, overlap. I, there is a lot of overlap yeah. between those all those stories. I'm sure you've seen. Um, I'm sure you've seen Oz's uh, little yep. flowchart. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what he's been working on too. That that's so cool to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I haven't. I need. I guess I need to finish that campaign because, like, um, I'm I'm not a big multiplayer uh, gamer. I definitely more into campaigns, and that's why uh, um, Fallen Order was. I really enjoyed that right. because, like, I'm, I've always just kind of like played on my own since I was a kid. Um, <laughs> video games that is. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, like, this the Squadron's campaign was, like, interesting enough, but a lot of it also just felt like it was very much just teaching you the mechanics of the game so that then you could go right. out and play multiplayer. And, you know, like, yeah, like, well, we've played online a couple times, and, yeah, it's, it's fun, but it's just, like, I have a lot of other things in my life that I... <laughs> it's so it's more like I get to sit down maybe for, like, a half hour, uh, to yeah. play video game like randomly so it's just hard for me to really just get into any major multiplayer and it's the same thing that happened with like battlefront 2 where like i mm. finally finished the campaign of that um last year <laughs> you know quite a wow. while after getting the game because i was like you know what i just need to do it. i just need to sit down and play this <laughs> because there is an interesting campaign here or story but Again, like just the mechanics of it are not really made to be that kind of game, so it's harder for me to get into yeah. it because it's like it really isn't made for that. Um, I appreciate so, that there's a story, but I wish there was more to it. Speaking of the Battlefront campaign, it's not on the show notes, so I'm going to go oh, off the cuff sorry. here a little bit. But it is it's Inferno Squad, so we're still kind of yeah. staying on on theme here. <laughs> but uh, we with the Battlefront Two campaign, I know there were a lot of complaints about it. Um, and a lot of folks weren't blown away by it. I don't know that I've ever played a, like, seen two pieces of interconnected Star Wars media that enhance each other quite as much as the Inferno Squad book, and then going immediately from that into the campaign. Because mm-hmm. the campaign by itself was mediocre, but if you've read the book, it's almost like, um, it's very similar to the Catalyst novel by James Luceno, reading that and then going into Watch Rogue One and how much additional context it provides and attachment it creates to the characters. That's really interesting um, because but, I remember barely nothing about Inferno Squad as a book. Really? I loved it. I, I, Iden Versio is one of my like top tier uh, expanded universe characters because of that book. Whereas most of my um, knowledge or most of the stuff that sunk in is from the Battlefront campaign mm-hmm. for me. Mm, yeah. yeah. See, I don't remember as much from the campaign just... as I do from the... Well, because the, the, the Battlefront Inferno Squad book, if I recall correctly, it tied into Saul Guerrero's Partisans. And it actually tied into uh, Rebel Rising, if I 
recall correctly. Like mm. there were some characters that crossed over. That that so. rings a bell. <laughs> yeah, I think um, one of the characters that Jen knew when she was part of Saul's partisans group, one of the characters in Rebel Rising, ends up being the primary, I guess, protagonist in uh, Inferno Squad. Oh, damn. Hold on, did we that. just invite Andrew onto the show to out Star Wars archives me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I guess so. I mean, cause, well, that's I mean that is why I suggested Andrew for an episode about squadrons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think he he'll he'll be good for this. He he knows. Well, well, to 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 be fair, I co-opted that conversation to directly steer it into something I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's not as if I just walked in here with this broad knowledge of everything. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is the one very specific <laughs> thing. I'm gonna take the conversation that way. No, so. I mean, I, I haven't. So I, I haven't read Inferno Squad yet because I thought that I had to play the game first and that the oh, book was yeah. written after. So you know, I'm doing the whole sort of like you know, start in the middle of a story and then go get the prequel of it because that's, that's not a bad the idea proper either. way to to enjoy star wars apparently since 1977 <laughs> uh, right me, yeah me, meg once fame and it's stuck with me she once famously called it star wars backwards storytelling magic <laughs> and that that phrase has stuck yeah. with me because i was asking uh what order i should read the queen's books in like queen's peril and queen's uh shadow and she said read queen's shadow first and then peril uh, I, for the uh, star wars backwards storytelling magic, i so. i did do peril first so um i'm but, going chronologically so, there you mentioned you, you mentioned earlier listening to a lot of audiobooks. I'll just throw this out there: the Inferno Squad audiobook, if I'm not mistaken, is narrated by uh, Janina Gavonker, who was the actress who played Iden Versio. So it's Ooh. another one of those that's really cool to do the audiobook because you get you know yeah similar like uh, Ahsoka and the Queen's books. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Um, wait, so Trev, you have played the Squadrons video game, then, right? I I didn't know yes. if you had. I've, I, I played the story. I've dabbled in the multiplayer and it, it it's a great game um i don't think the controls are as great as battlefront space combat yeah i think yeah. everything else about it is miles ahead of battlefront i just think the control system's a bit weird yeah but then i grew up with rose squadron on the n64 so that's no one's ever gonna ask no one's ever matching that <laughs> so We've got it here on the show notes, but while, once again, I'm going to stay on topic with Squadrons, but uh, this isn't on the show notes. Did you ever play the X-Wing Alliance game? No, I've, I've always been console players. I've never okay. played. I, I can talk about X-Wing I, Alliance and the story and the game guide that's written from a droid's perspective and how it ties into Shadows of the Empire. Uh, I can talk about that. Yeah. We, just well, you should, <laughs> I mean, and we should touch on that. I mean, Andrew, like, we'll go into that, whatever you want to okay, go yeah, to yeah, as sorry. well. No, but it's just that... Because I do want to also just talk about video games in general and, and the kind of like, because mm-hmm. Trev, you've also brought it up a couple times in other episodes that, oh, there's this little bit of story in this video game, there's a little bit of story in that video game. And just like, I also kind of want to get your takes on, you know, what roles do these like video games have within like telling the whole like canon story of Star Wars? Because not everyone can play them. Um, and is it really like enhancing everything or what's, you know, what's the point of them or what do you, how do you feel about so that? So let's laser in on X-Wing Alliance, uh, for a second, yeah. just cause Andrew mentioned it and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a squadrons book, but this particular game, it was kind of a, this came after the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter flight sims on the PC. And it was a very story focused game. You had lots of missions, but we're talking mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to think of a year. So this must have been late 90s, maybe. I'm going to go out there saying... 2001, I want to say. Really? No. On X-Wing no. Alliance? Was it not? Maybe not. Okay, Jose, we, have a look on the work while I'm talking. Um, so anyway, so what I'm saying is the graphics aren't the best. There weren't a massive amount of cutscenes. You have a lot of text bubbles. And mm-hmm. the story ties into the capture of a supercomputer that reveals the existence of the second Death Star and the plans. And that tied in to the... Uh, I think it was from a freighter Suprosa. So the mission... Mm-hmm. From X-Wing Alliance is also in Shadows of the Empire books. There's a real crossover there. But the actual video mm. game guide, you know, the books that you buy that tell you how to finish the game. It's all written in-universe from the droid's perspective. And he's a smug droid. And in the game guide, oh, yeah. he, he talks about <laughs> it being, a, you know, him being the reason that the mission succeeded. And I, I love that take of explaining how a game is played in-universe. It really... For me, that makes that fiction. That's one of the books you then have to read as part of Legends because it's in universe. Right. Um, mm, yeah. So, so yeah. What were you going to say about X Wing Alliance, Andrew? Well, it was just it, I, the reason I brought it up is because you going back to what you were saying about the controls of Squadron is not really doing it for you. So I I didn't play the Rogue Squadron video game growing up because I didn't have a GameCube. Um, and so I, I just never had the chance to play it. I did play X-Wing Alliance growing up, and Squadrons favors X-Wing Alliance so much more than, in, like, that, because it's a flight sim. So, like, you got system controls, you know, the, the y- you could argue that the actual movement is a little bit ornery, but that's also, I, I guess, kind of how it's supposed to be, you know. Um, you actually have to have some uh, bit of skill in real life to have the skill in the game. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that, you know, your opinion on the, the flight controls of squadrons was probably because of what you played back in the day versus my opinions on it is affected by what I played back in the day. <laughs> I think that's, that's a fair point and not to go into video game commentary too much, but it's almost the, right. the use of the shoulder buttons for throttle and brake, like a racing game. Yeah. That's what you kind of saw in battlefront versus using it for the yeah. sticks in squadrons and it just. It just kind of it, it takes me a while to get used to it every single time. It's it's a lot more responsive, and eventually I like it, but it takes me a while. Yeah, yeah. But whereas, yeah. so let's go back to Rogue Squadron on the N sixty four. There was two sequels that came out on the GameCube. Those were yeah. When those games came out, Rogue Squadron the video game only exists because of the Shadows of the Empire video game, which had the the Hoth level right at the beginning where you could take down Atats and shoot uh, mm-hmm. Scout Walkers and TIE Fighters, that entire level became the Rogue Squadron game. Oh, and that game I played is responsible. that one. Yes. And that game is responsible <laughs> so, for some of my favorite Star Wars video game moments. of Blasting that TIE Fighter at close range and flying through the debris. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely incredible. This is a this is a good opportunity to ask Trevor a uh, Trevor question, okay. which would be see if you because I don't remember I don't know the answer. Um, back in the day, there was a Star Wars arcade game, and by arcade I mean literally you would go to an arcade and it'd be a big you know like Pac Man style arcade game, but it was a Star Wars arcade game where you did get to fly, 
Was there a Rogue Squadron or Shadows of the Empire arcade version? No, I, I don't believe so. So you had okay. the original sort of 70s straight line arcade game, which I remember right. very vividly as a kid, where TIE Fighters, they kind of shoot glowy asterisks at you. And yeah. then you go down a train yeah. to run and drog the, uh, dodge the bars. You've had a couple of more up-to-date arcade games that kind of cover the whole trilogy. But I don't think those two sort of okay. niche have ever translated to the arcade. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Then is the one that covered the whole trilogy because I remember you could bring down an ATAT with uh with the with the tow cable. You could ride the uh, the speeders through indoor, chasing the uh, scout troopers and everything like that. So, so I remember. Um, quick, quick side, fun story. I went to Las Vegas on my honeymoon with my first wife. We're no longer together. And I'm not a gambler, so, you know, we're walking through Las Vegas, all these casinos, <laughs> and me thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to make a fool of myself by doing it. <laughs> and then you walk through all the, like, slot machines, and then you get to the arcade bit, and there it is. A two-seater, big, brand-new <laughs> Star Wars arcade game. I was just, uh, give me a handful of quarters or whatever, and I'll see you in half an hour. <laughs> go get a drink. You <laughs> say, go, go hit go hit the slots, and I'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Get, get, those, get those three bananas, and I might not, never leave this arcade again. <laughs> Priorities, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course, you, you went for that instead of actually trying to like make any money. Of our... But uh, yeah, but, but then with the Rogue Squadron video game, like I never, yeah, I didn't play those. I did play the, what is it, Shadows of the... Shadows of the Empire. The Empire, I guess, yeah, because I do remember playing, like, flying and, and tying the, the AT-ATs. Um, but then bear so in mind, I... Hoth has been in every Star Wars video game ever. <laughs> I think it's a prerequisite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, I mean, I, I guess I, I just need to look at the, at, the, at the art to see which one I had. But it's, I mean, it's, it was a while back. But so Rogue Squadron, the video game, or I guess there's, there were a few sequels then on the GameCube, you said? Uh, so you had uh, Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, and then Rogue Squadron 3, Rebel Strike. And what's the story, what's the general story there? And, I mean, it is called Rogue Squadron. We know there's, I mean, Rogue Squadron has been written about a lot, right? So is there is this sort of following them in, in specifically? Like, how does it compare to Rogue Squadron in Legends? Um, and... I mean, who is in Rogue Squadron or who has been in Rogue Squadron? Let's just talk about Rogue Squadron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so the video game is completely uh, separate from the books and comics. The, the video game is very much sort of um, between trilogies, if I remember the right. Although it does end with a level that adapts part of Dark Empire. Um, so it really does jump forward in the timeline massively. Mm -hmm. But it's still kind of separate. All three video games are kind of separate from... The books comic to get a few callbacks you get um you kind of see how tiku selkyu defects from the empire uh there's a level where you have to rescue crix medine but then when you get into it uh it later in legends you get the the rogue squadron comic series all written by michael a stackpole then you go into the novels and there's what 10 x-wing novels i believe in total although only half of those deal with rogue squadron because then the rest deal with my favorite squadron, which is Wraith Squadron. Have you read any of those books, Andrew? Uh, that was part of your 100 no. and whatever so, that you've... <laughs> I, I do own 
a lot of the X-Wing books. I haven't read them yet. So going back to what we were saying about backwards storytelling magic. So I'm reading New Jedi Order right now, and there's a couple books by Stackpole in New Jedi Order, and there's a couple books by Aaron Austin, which both feature Rogue Squadron and Wraith Squadron. So I have some experience with the characters. And, I, and I've read iJedi, of course, so I'm pretty familiar with Corn Horn. Um, <laughs> okay, so you've read... I, um, I, You've read Rebel Stand and Rebel Dream by now in New Jedi Order, if you're yes. on Full Heretic. Yep, I have read those. And I've also read, now that I think about it, I did read the entire Rogue Squadron comic run. So tell me now, how good okay. are Rebel Dream and Rebel Stand? Oh no. Um, Trevor, I'm going to apologize in advance. <laughs> I, have my alphabet, I have my alphabet squadron, and... I will allow you to not love it as much if you will, in return, allow me to not love the Rebel Stand books as much. I think it would have helped to have read the Wraith Squadron books first because yes, I was yeah. not familiar with the characters at all, and a lot of the humor fell flat because I could tell that there was... I could tell that there was maybe, like, recurring jokes in or jokes, yeah. or 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 Yes. Although, as with all of New Jedi Order, if you haven't read all of Legends, there's going to be things that you just don't get. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I did think that, I want to say the final battle in the Rebel Stand duology, where the Lucinkia, I think, like, they ram it into a Yuzan Vong world ship or something like that. I don't know. There was something pretty epic where uh, Wedge Antilles' uh, Super Star Destroyer that he was, uh, that he was captaining, like, kamikazes, and it was pretty epic, but... Um, the mission to Coruscant was also pretty good. Uh, there was that one weird, very weird battle with um, Lord Nyax, I think it was. Who, again, is from uh, earlier Legends books, or his, his mother is, at least. Okay. So so here's how we do things on this show. We, we, we will laser focus on one thing to make Jose interested. <laughs> Jose, this guy has <laughs> lightsabers coming out of his knees. What? Yes. His knees? <laughs> His knees at, and elbows. I don't know if that at makes me interested. Point, I'm just like, what? What um, is going on? At, at one, all right, so let's go real legendsy here. Okay, <laughs> at one point, Lord Nyax, this uh, long dead Sith, something dark Jedi who's been resurrected. I don't know. Dark. He is he is using the Force to just make all this debris fly all around him, and Tahiri Vela. Uh, literally does like matrix jumps from like piece of debris to piece of debris and stuff like that as like her Luke and Mara Jade are doing like matrix ninja stuff on all this debris that he's making like okay. fly in the air. Um, and to, you know, w while we're kind of sidebarring on new Jedi order, uh, this is about as legendsy as it gets in the force heretic trilogy. I'm currently reading about Tahiri Vela who has a Yuzon Vong alter ego. And it is. Oh, I'd forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah. She has literally, like, her alter ego has a name and everything, and it is wild. <laughs> so, anyway, to bring back to squadrons. <laughs> yeah, coming back to squadrons. Yeah, but, um, Sorry, that was a. Again, so a, a for Jose, I want, to give, I want to give Jose a very quick brief rundown on Race Squadron and how they're different. Yeah. So, in, in the Legends timeline, you've got the Rogue Squadron books, uh, Wade Gentilly sets them up. And then he goes to Admiral Atbar and goes, listen, I want a squadron that doesn't just fly ships. I want to oh, be able to insert okay. these guys as commandos. I want a demolitions expert on the team. I want all these things. And it actually mm -hmm. becomes a bet with him and Admiral Atbar. And he kind of goes, well, if you fail this, then you have to accept a promotion to general. So the squadron is deliberately built 
as being different, which is kind of how I'm going to relate uh. this to <laughs> Alphabet Squadron now. You know, they're not yeah, recruited yeah, yeah. for their their uh, their flying skills, their hotshot jockey skills. They're recruited because they can bring something different to the team. So as such, they don't work well. It's like an Ocean's Eleven together. type of deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, one of the guys um, watched his entire squadron get demolished by this other Imperial squadron. Again, very mm-hmm. similar to to the Alphabet Squadron books. So he's a yeah. damaged, broken man yeah. on this team, and they're trying to get him up to up to scratch. But it also has one of the greatest bromances in all of Star Wars, <laughs> which is um, Ton Ton Fanon, who is uh, an ex ex-imperial surgeon or doctor i believe and then garrick face loran who's an ex-child movie star who had to had to uh it was filmed in loads of imperial propaganda (laughs) and And just to reiterate his nickname is face they call him face yeah yes and it's okay it's it's an incredible bromance and i'm not going to spoil it someone dies and it's one of a most heartbreaking things ever written in legends well haven't you i like the name wraith because of ring wraiths and you know oh so. yeah <laughs> so when i first heard Trev- that there was a wraith squadron i'm like i kind of want i do want to read about them because <laughs> i want because i'm nerding out about something else and relating it back to this but uh, they, have, they have a gamorian in the squad i was gonna ask that yeah that's what i was gonna ask that so in his, isn't his nickname Piggy? Piggy, yeah. In the squad, don't they call him? Uh, yeah, they call him Piggy. Vort Very original. Piggy, I think his name is. Yep, Piggy. He's a genetically modified Gamorrean who is incredible. He's got an I, an incredible IQ, uh, a mathematical, mathematical, uh, mathematical. There we go. Mathematical genius. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, works out all the odds and various ways things can work and go wrong. And they kind of have to, you know, uh, customize his X-Wing for him to fit in. It's it's out there. <laughs> I love that. I like the idea of a, uh, and we pronounce it differently, but... Uh, you're you're a, a Gamorian over there, like, yeah. And I'm, Yeah, Gamorian, sorry. I'm sure my pr- pronunciation is wrong because it's never said in the movie. So my pronunciation is based off the card of my action figure. <laughs> and I'm never yeah. going to be able to <laughs> well, change it. <laughs> Either way, I like the 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 mental visual of him in a star fi- in an X wing, all crunched up, kind of like Mister Incredible in his little uh, <laughs> t- tiny sedan, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> trying to pilot, and he's just been squeezed in there. They have to have like an entire flight crew there to like push down oh the cockpit <laughs> on top of, like get it to lock. <laughs> Didn't you once say that? Uh, Starfighters of Adamar, Adamar is one of your favorites, or is like one of your top books. Well, let's segue straight into batshit crazy book of a week because that was gonna be hit. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There it is. It's the batshit crazy book of the week. It's not even on the notes. I had no idea. <laughs> it never is. Um, yeah, Starfighters of Adamar. It's it's a one shot adventure with Rose Squadron and Wedge taking the lead. You don't really need to have read anything else about it but it's just funny it's just a funny book yes they've got a warlord of a week to deal with but Uh it's just three mates trying to figure it out it's like watching um i don't know whether this reference will work with you guys but it's like watching top top gear 
It's like watching uh, Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond and Captain Slow go on a mission (laughs) together. And it's hysterical. I love it. I I swear to God, it's the funniest Star Wars book ever written. Okay. Funniest. I will definitely have to read that one because I'm all about some humor. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I like when Star Wars gets weird. So, I mean, if they're getting weird with humor and stuff, then yeah, for sure. That sounds... I'm I'm sure I've mentioned it before where they they literally have to dress up in Hawaiian shirts and act like rednecks to get through customs. (laughs) What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, I. I should. I should check that one out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, same. All right. Well, before we end the episode, I mean, since we're talking about all this squadron stuff and all that, I mean, there's one, and obviously, I mean, Rogue Squadron. I think is generally the most known squadron in all of Star Wars. I would say, right? Like people that are not. Yeah knowledgeable of the books and everything like that's what that's probably the one squadron that they can name i mean well yeah. i guess probably red and gold and you know the color color ones from the movies um right but, but again that would be from the video games i don't think i don't think if the video games had ever been made that rogue squadron would be the one that jumped out from the movies i think people would yeah. talk about red squadron more um, right right but it, right. it's only the video games that gave it life and the books and the comics came after them and right. it kind of it becomes this iconic thing without ever necessarily needing to read any of the books or comics. But now it's about yeah. to change, right? Because now we're going to have a movie based on a squadron, which is yes, we are. Know, aptly titled yep. Rogue Squadron. So we don't know yet when this is set. I mean, Rogue Squadron has had very, you know, various iterations and different members, so we don't know exactly when this is set, right? We don't know but... anything. Yeah, I mean, all we all we know so far, right, is that it is going to be directed by Patty Jenkins, and so this is going to be the first female directed Star Wars movie, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Patty Jenkins is the you know more recently known for having directed Wonder Woman, um, and when she did that, she also became the first female director of an American superhero movie. So she's kind oh, of wow. you know setting all those standards there. She yeah. also co-wrote and produced um, and directed uh, Wonder Woman 1984. And she and going way back when, in 2003, she started out with uh, Monster. She wrote and directed that one as well. And she also ha- has a bunch of TV credits. So it's really exciting to have her be, you know, become part of the Star Wars universe. And also just because you know all we got was that one teaser little video right a couple months ago yeah oh but how good about was how she i i may have watched that 20 times right? that first day. like i oh my gosh and she's really invested in the whole story of that because her dad was an air force captain and fighter pilot so she really knows or i i think she has an insight to that kind of life yeah and she you know she grew up moving from place to place so i think that Whatever this movie is, I think we can get a real... I think it should be... It'll be pretty realistic in terms of how it depicts that kind of lifestyle. Or, you know, so, at least like from her perspective. So, the one thing I really took from that teaser is the last five years of being, let's say, up and down with regards to Star Wars writers and directors in movies. Mm-hmm. There's, there's been a lot of changes over the last minute. There's been all sorts going on. We've never seen anything like that. How much confidence must they have in this story and her directing style to go, Oh, yeah. Look at this. And um, because I, I shed a tear watching that teaser. Just the, yeah. the mm. passion that came across during that. I'm like, This is 
gonna be good. I've I've yeah. seen nothing oh, yeah. about it, and it's gonna be good. Do we know who's writing it? They haven't announced who's writing it, or is Patty Jenkins writing and directing? I would as she writes her movies, so yeah. I would assume that she is at the very least co-writing it. Um, she, but yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, it's they're selling, they're introducing this movie and selling this movie through her. Not yeah, about right. the story, not about the characters, not about like the history of what Rogue Squadron is and was and can be. It's about this is Patty Jenkins is leading this project, and yeah. she has she understands what being a fighter pilot can't you know she has some understanding of it. So I think it'll yeah I mean they must really have uh, they really trust whatever she's doing here. One thing that, uh, and Trevor, I, know, I think you you saw this on Twitter, and we talked about it some in, in, in Slack. One thing that really excited me was, I think, uh, was it Michael Stackpole, like, replied to one of her tweets, or she replied to one of his tweets about yes, it, yes. and talked about how influ- how much she loved his work and stuff like that. And, like, and I'm not saying, like, that Star Wars creators have to be, like, super well-versed in Legends and all that stuff, but it is always kind of, like it makes you feel a little bit better. Like, Hey, this is somebody like us who, who has the same level of appreciation. And you know, like, uh, when you see like these newer Canon authors and like, they'll write like, uh, during the empire, certain point of view, there were a lot of references to Stover's revenge of the Sith novels from first time star Wars writers. Yes. And it's just one of those things. It's one of those cool things to see where it's just like, Oh man, they like, they love this just as much as I do. And it makes (laughs) you even more excited for the project. If you had to pick, what would you want? Rose Squadron to be about. Let's go with you first, Jose. Um, the movie. Yeah. Um, like when, where, who? If you were to, if you I don't, I don't know movie, about the when and who. Like that part, I. Because like I wanna, I want it to be somewhat like in Rogue One, right? Where you get, you really get to see more of those sort of like moments behind the scenes of them planning out and strategy you know strategizing kind of like what's what's happening outside of the actual combat um like of course we're gonna have some some fighting i assume because i mean it is (laughs) what they do but i kind of i want to see more of those real moments and maybe just sort of like the you know what how these people actually no wait i'm gonna change no (laughs) stop that (laughs) <laughs> the movie is going to be about what happens after the war to the members of Rogue Squadron. So it is about them dealing with like the PTSD of being at war. And it is them, okay. they're, they're, they're all broken. And they're just trying to live their normal, everyday lives and just struggling through it because they just went through this galactic war. So it, it'll probably focus on like the, you know, Wedge was in Rogue Squadron, right? Yeah, he's Rogue Leader. So. Yeah, so he, you know, so we can get a little bit of, of an old older version of him, um, or maybe he's just trying, you know, they're trying to bring in like a new Rogue Squadron or something. But it is kind of like after the war, and and they're just, you know, kind of like just trying to be regular people, and just struggling through it, and they're all just broken. Yes. As much as I'd love to see that movie, I don't think they're going to call that movie Rogue Squadron. I don't think yes. that's how they're going to hype that movie. <laughs> Uh, why not it's it is these are all members of rogue squadron and now they're this is what happens to them after the fact it's not maybe as exciting as a summer blockbuster but i think it would be a very compelling and interesting story 
Maybe better for a book because that's when they tend to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> what about you, even Andrew? So, all right. I hope you appreciate this pool, Trevor. I had to look it up to make sure I was pronouncing the name right. Uh, I want a pre-New Hope Rogue Squadron movie. All right, so we have a, a female director, so I'd like to see a female lead in the movie. I would like to get the origin story of Plor Elo. Oh, okay. Do you know she's one of a very few expanded universe? Well, not very few. It's going all the time. Uh, but she's one of a very few Rogue Squadron characters to get her own action figure. I did not know that. Yep. I need to buy that. <laughs> she was easily one of my... She was because I'm a, looking here. I had to pull up her Wikipedia. She was in a double she pack was a, with a... Uh, oh, what's his name? Dler Nep? Is that it? With the, the, the Celestin? The Celestin? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah she was okay. in a double comic pack like with it. him. I I don't want to know how much that would cost me to buy at this point in time, but I I will probably look it up later because that is the ex- I love buying EU exclusive action figure like if it's a uh, exclusively e- like the Jaina Solo yeah. Black Series figure. Somebody oh, um so I literally great. saw on Facebook Marketplace earlier. Sorry to derail your train of thought. Somebody was selling uh, Shadows of the Empire range, so the two comic packs, five figures, and the swoop ship Ooh. for eighty five pound, and I was like. That's yeah. good. That's that's a <laughs> good deal. I resisted. But yeah, I Plur was a. Uh, I'm reading her book here because I, I remembered, but I just want to make sure she was a member. She's like, the one warrior of the, princess. The arcs in the, yeah, she's the warrior princess, and at one point, like she has to go like reclaim her throne, and like Rogue Squadron helps her and stuff like that. Yes, a lot of really good uh, Arista. You know the word. You know the word I'm trying to say. Anyways. Uh, a lot of good like royal family drama in Star Wars in that uh, in that comic arc. So I know we're not going to get it, but as long as we're dream casting a movie, I think that'd be pretty cool. Would that also include why it's called Rogue Squadron then? So it's sort of like an origin story to Rogue Squadron. The in canon, the origin to Rogue Squadron, I think, was in um, the Empire certain point of view. Yeah, it's a homage to it was Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. Um, yeah, they name it after... I think uh, in yeah. Legends, they Red Squadron disbands and then uh, Wedge is tasked with forming a new squadron. And I, right. I can't remember where the name Rogue came from. Um, but anyway, so my ideal Rogue Squadron movie would be recast Wedge mm-hmm. shortly after the war, the whole retaken of Coruscant. That's what I'd want to see. Yes. Because we haven't seen that. We... We don't know what's going on on Coruscant. There's uh, talk in Victory's Price about it, but they don't really specify. In fact, we don't we don't know who's in charge. We know nothing. That's what I want to see. And the fact that it's been kept so vague in canon and it hasn't been tackled, I think that's probably worth a punt on my part. So it's so that would be more about like a specific mission. Um, and kind of just trying to achieve it, well, that. It's, it's not just it's it's the mission. It's the tide of the war post Endor. Really, yeah. who mm-hmm. controls Coruscant controls the galaxy almost. Yeah. If you're trying to set up a new government, then that's where you want to be. Yeah. So I well, mean, it could be a whole you know group of Rogue Squadron movies, right? Because like you can do oh, what I'm you're sorry. saying there first. Then we do my story. <laughs> yeah. And then we do the prequel. And we go to Andrew's story. I mean, I think yeah, my, mine would mine would be just plur a Star Wars story. It wouldn't be a. Rogue 
All right, guys. I think that that about covers it for today. Why don't we do? Let's just um, you know before we end it, let's a little bit of the housekeeping. Uh, remind our listeners that you know we want your feedback, suggestions, and questions. You can use your phones to record yourselves and ask us anything really. I mean, you could you saw today Andrew had a bunch of random topics to bring up to Trev, so you can do that too. <laughs> Send us questions and we'll play them. Um, Trev, uh, what's uh, what do we have coming up uh, next in our queue? So in homage or inspired by the latest Black Series figure announcement. We're going to do an entire episode on Jackson the Space Rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the green rabbit that now has a lot more detail because of that action figure than it ever has before (laughs) in comic book form, right? Can can we fill an hour with Jackson? We'll find out. Tune in next time. (laughs) Yes, we'll see. And then after that, um, we are going to do an episode that Andrew here suggested, and I think it'll be pretty good. I, I think it'll be. I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm gonna see how it turns out. But we're gonna talk about uh, Star Wars retcons. Yeah, right? I think we'll have to throw so, both of these uh, both these topics into the Discord and and let people start hitting us up. Yeah. Um, well. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, We will be providing links and pictures to all the books that Trev and I guess Andrew also mentioned uh, today, (laughs) and they'll be up on the Discord. So if you have not joined the community, just head on over to utini.com slash Discord. Click on the Join Now button on that page. If you want to reach out to me, I am Joxy or some variation of that name in Discord. You can also follow me on Twitter at djoxy. That is T-H-E-J-O-X-I-I-I. Trev, where can people find you? So I am at Davy Todd on Twitter, or you'll just find me hanging around in our Discord. Andrew, it's been an absolute blast having you on, man. Where can we find you? Thank you. So you can also find me in Discord. I'll probably be uh, I'll probably be in the sports channel talking about some March Madness <laughs> for the next couple of weeks. Uh, but you can also find me on Twitter. My handle is at Andrew underscore D underscore Bell. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Andrew, again for joining us. It was a lot of fun and uh, for taking over a lot of the Legends talk that I have no idea <laughs> what any of it is. I, I, I needed a, a Legends outfit. It's been nice to have a Legends buddy on my show. This was great. <laughs> so thank you all. That covers it for today. So uh, radio out. There is no hatred, there is joy, there is no division, there is union, there is no apathy, there is passion, there is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.